This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. How's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> My name is Bowen Yang, and I feel dissociative about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Does that mean you feel like you've left your body? In some yeah, way? And, and this is something that like we're going through in therapy, but like you're going to have a breakthrough today. Here? Yes. I can't wait. It's going to happen, and then you're going to owe me $600. Yeah. Oh, that's cheaper than my therapist. That's, that's perfect. Well, <laughs> I didn't say it was going to be a very good breakthrough. <laughs> you're going to realize you're intolerant to oat milk, oh, and then great. it's not going to be anything that's going to help you in your life. A really. breakthrough is a breakthrough. <laughs> I don't think there's any qualitative thing about a breakthrough. I'm just Happy to have one. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Here we go. Seven, six, too long a countdown. <laughs> one, no, that's too short. 15, 14, <laughs> too long. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I started today's podcast. Uh, you're not going to hear this part, but I was, trying, I was doing a countdown. Yeah. I was kind of counting myself down, which I thought was very professional. And then I realized I chose too high a number to count down from. I just yeah. randomly went to 15. Yeah. I which think we was, should keep that in. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that in so people know what you're talking about. It was just all over the map. And I thought, and it was my attempt to be professional. Oh. 15. Four, nope, that's no good. How about, uh, and then I went too early. I went to, I think, to one, yeah. which don't go to one. Three is the right way to start. Don't you think? Three. Yeah. Two. That's the right way. Next time I do this, I'm just new to all of it. I'm going to start at three. I will you're not- You're three years in. You're, yeah, you're not you're new not, to this anymore. You're not new anymore. You keep acting like, oh, podcasts, what's that? It's like you've been doing it for three well, years. Well, you know I have short-term memory. 
uh, loss. I have severe. Yeah. I just keep. <laughs> wow, a podcast. Unless someone messes up, then it's something you bring up like seven years later. Right. I have an amazing memory for someone else's failure. <laughs> I can remember if someone else slightly screwed up yep. 57 years ago, mm-hmm. I can smell that moment, taste that moment, feel that moment. I can describe everything in the room. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. Yeah. Right, Sona? Yes, yes, yes. You bring up things I forgot to do like 12 years ago. It's small things too. It's like, oh, remember I emailed you and you didn't respond to me to let me know you got the email. Right. Remember the time that I needed that medication to stay alive and you didn't get it for me? You and were you out died. at a, you were out at a rave <laughs> and you drank you drank the blue stuff that was in the glow stick and you and your friends threw up on top of each other and both got radioactive. What? Yep. I remember that. That's a true story. Uh, it's not. Okay. Well, as you can tell, I'm joined by my crack team. Mm. Um, you guys are a crack team. You really That's are. Right. Yeah. You're just so on top of it all the time. Well, I'm going to uh, disagree. I think Matt is, I'm not. So half of your team is a crack team. Matt, no, I think you are. You know what? I'm going to give you a compliment, Matt, and hang on to this because you're never getting another one of these again. You actually do stuff. You actually, <laughs> <laughs> you actually, uh, <laughs> You produce this podcast, you do a lovely job, you go through it, you make sure that, you know, uh, it all lines up and it's technically proficient. Uh, that's how little I know about what you do is that I just said it all lines up. Um, <laughs> but so far off. Sona and I are just uh, chimps that have been put into a space capsule that just hit each other and throw pancake batter at each other. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you're in mission control, making making us, uh, you know, get up into the atmosphere and back safely. That's what you do. Yeah, so, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So God mm-hmm. bless you, Matt Gorley. Thanks. Are you putting us on the same level? You do all the interviews. And I really don't do much. I mean, this is a big scam that I, no. I've got yeah. going on. I, you're I, the heart. Oh, I know. Oh. I know. What I did was I, I tricked Sona into complimenting me. So she just said, Conan, no. you're the one that does all the interviews. And then uh, you were left out in the cold, Sona. So no. that was a beautiful thing that I just did. Uh, Sona's the heart. I'm the brains. You're the obstacle we have to get yeah, over. That's true. To make this go That's out. true. I'm the, uh, yeah, that's right. You're I a suppose. hindrance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. You're, I'm going to put it this way. Uh, Sona is uh, the Christmas spirit um, and Matt- is Bruce Willis, and uh, I am Hans Gruber. Oh, I like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yeah, tell yeah. me about these cowboys, you know, whatever. I don't do Wow, is that your Sorry. German accent? I, I, I'll work on it. I, okay. I didn't give it any thought, and I think I also, at the same time, something burst in my brain, so I can't well, be- He didn't even have a German accent, though. Didn't he? Alan Rickman was just speaking in his he, British accent, wasn't he? No, he was not he British. He had a little bit of one. He had a, had a bit of a German accent. It was sort oh. of one of those, it's like he came from the bad guy region- of Central Eastern <laughs> Europe. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It was just- 60s Nazi. Yeah, it was one of those very vague, there's yeah. like a country that's near uh, Lithuania, um, but it also borders Belgium. And that's where all bad guys are from. <laughs> ah, welcome, yeah. Mr. Bond. So nice to have you. I, I do hope you're comfortable, Mr. Bond. And they all come from that one little country, all of yeah. them. Yeah. Every single fucking one 
comes from that country. That brings up another thing I want to talk about. Hmm. I love how bad guys are so worried about James Bond's comfort. Have you noticed that? They're gentlemen. It's nice, yeah. But in the 60s Bond movies, he's basically been foiling their plans for most of the movie. And then finally they end up in his lair and all they do is say, I trust you're comfortable, Mr. Bond. (laughs) You know, Bond will wake up and he's wearing silk pajamas in a lovely room. And someone comes in and says, you're to join, you know, uh, Dr. Bad Guy. (laughs) You're to join Dr. Bad Guy for a lovely meal. Uh, They should just kill him right away. Yeah, that's been established. That's been long established that they should do that. But I I love that they, my favorite thing is just how concerned they are. Ah, Mr. Bond, I do trust you slept well. (laughs) Mr. Bond, is this wine to your liking? And they've got the pit with the alligators and the sharks ready to go. And they're go- they know they're going to kill him soon, but it's all about his comfort. Oh, trust. Oh, oh, you, the mattress was a little hard, was it? <laughs> oh, Mr. Bond, our apologies. Do they make him take a survey for his comfort? Yeah. Mr. Bond, before we kill you, uh, just could you fill this out, please? How was the massage? Was the massage okay? Typically, I like shiatsu. Oh, fuck it, Mr. Bond. We didn't know. We thought soft tissue. I like a shiatsu massage and a Sheely mattress. Well, or a we'll, sleep number. We'll, we were going to contact you ahead of time, Mr. Bond, but then we thought that would give away the whole capturing you thing. So sorry, Mr. Bond. But yes, we've got it now. Sealy and Shiatsu. Is that what you said in your strange Scottish accent? No, Sheely. Sheely. S-H-E-E. It's a very rare type of mattress. Okay, Sheely. Got it, Mr. Bond. I just do hope you're comfortable. Now, we have a tank over here filled with eels that are going to shred you. But I do hope you're comfortable. Certainly. Um. (laughs) C-H-E-R. Did you say certainly or certainly? I most certainly did not. (laughs) You see... These are good times. Look, look yeah. at us. Look at us. We're just we're just a bunch of normal Joes having a good time. If you didn't know any better, you'd say we were chill chums. Hey. I wish I hadn't brought that up. <laughs> All right. We should start today's uh, episode. Uh, my guest today, I'm very excited about this, uh, this gentleman and that he is visiting. Uh, my guest today is a cast member on Saturday Night Live uh, and stars in the Comedy Central series Aquafina, is Nor from Queens. He also co-hosts the popular podcast, Las Culturistas. Bowen Yang, welcome. I, I came up to you recently. It was at the Emmys. I don't know why I'm like pussyfooting around right, where right. it was. But That's like, okay. I came up to you and I was very... Um, Sycophantic, is that the right? I was just very um, reverent, basically. Well, that was very nice. Uh, you were very nice to me and and said some nice things. And it has gotten back to me um, that you've- you know, Oh, I cried? I cried about you. Yeah. Did you did you listen to that? Did you, were you just told that like Bo and Yang cried about I heard, you? <laughs> yes, I heard that, that you cried when we ended our show. Yeah. And my problem is, and you can be my therapist. It wasn't performative either. It was really just me being like so emotional over just that that last sort of you know speech you gave. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. I, I, what was what was nice uh, is I hear something like that, and I step outside my body because, <laughs> as you know, you get in this business 
um, and we'll talk about this, there's this whole journey to getting to do it. Yeah. And then you're doing it and you're in it. And then suddenly you're meeting people mm-hmm. um, and you're performing with them. Sometimes someone that you ad- admire says something nice about you. And I just don't, I have a hard time processing it, yeah. you know? And so I like to look at it all from a distance. Like I, so I, I didn't rush and say, I've got to listen to Bo and Yang cry about no, me of because, course. because I wouldn't know how to process it, you know? That would feel very vain too, if you oh, did. Oh, uh, but I'm very vain. No, so am I. I have a, <laughs> I look at myself nude and I have a nine way <laughs> angled mirror that shows a me. Non, you're in a non-agonal mirror, right? Jesus. <laughs> Very yes, I could yeah. have gone for octagonal, but I went for non-agonal, non-agonal. and it really shows you everything. <laughs> and I'm on a pedestal that slowly turns, wow. and I stand on that pedestal nude, maybe four or five times a day. These are tall mirrors, or you're just the mirrors are suspended. They are suspended. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. they are suspended, and they're adjustable height, Perfect. so I can zero in on different areas. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about that I I kind of feel like we have in common is that. My parents were the first generation that they weren't screwing around. They were not. They worked their asses off and they got full scholarships Mm -hmm. to uh, good schools and both became professionals. And so there was this real respect for education and you've got to work hard. And then I picked up on that. And then- And I worked really hard. I was a a grind. Um, There's no other nicer term for it. I was just a- joyless grind about schoolwork <laughs> and got to go to a good college and then immediately fell into comedy right. and have spent the rest of my my life dedicated to uh, looking like an ass as much <laughs> as possible. And I was interested to talk to you because uh, more than anyone I can think of has really followed in some ways, a similar path. You think so? That's, wow, that's very Well, flattering. because you you were, I mean, you're clearly, uh, you know, hyper uh, intelligent and, and you went to NYU and you study chemistry. Yeah, but that was, uh, that was just me getting, that was just the stepping stone to going to med school, which was the ultimate goal. Right, right. And, but that was, but the chemistry wasn't because I had an affinity. Well, I actually, I mean. Oh, I'm not saying you have to have it. I'm saying there was some part of you that thought I've got to yes. perf- achieve and perform at this uh, acceptable, in this acceptable venue. Right. Right? But you don't think that's a lot of comedy people, especially people who. More and more. Yeah. But I think it, it, what's fascinating to me is that comedy used to be, and and show business in general, mm-hmm. was not the domain of respectable people. Sure. You know? And then that cha- <laughs> that changed. But you know what I mean? Something yeah. happened at some point yeah. where comedy became kind of, I hope I get to get into Brown so I can go into comedy. Right. <laughs> like, well, what the hell happened? <laughs> I feel like you, not to, again, not to be too um, reverential like I was before. Well, I think you should. If you have a dial on reverence, could you turn it up, actually? Yes. Oh, my God. Because I feel like it's been on mute. From, just, just while we've been recording? Yeah. Okay, I, let me I just, feel like I'm not getting enough. You Okay, so I was so I was just going to say <laughs> that I feel like you guys probably, I'm saying you guys as in, like, your generation of writers who, right. who all, like, bounced between, not all of you bounced between, like, Seinfeld and SNL and The Simpsons. Right, right. But I feel like you guys set that up, set up that prestige, maybe. And then, then it became, and now I think you're seeing seeing whatever micro generations later that like people are sort of filtering through those and being like, see, there is this like path to like respectability in comedy, which I don't think, which I think like it wasn't um, quite as 
established back when you were probably out of college? Yeah, I remember uh, almost apologizing to my parents that I was going to give comedy a try. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, and, and getting remarks, and this is back in ancient history, but it was 1985, kind of getting some attitude from people about mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. So you went to Harvard and this is what you're going to do, <laughs> that your parents must be so upset. And I thought, well, what is it? Um, it's not hurting anybody. <laughs> when, when did you realize? It's not like I became no. a male prostitute, which right, I did. Right. For, I did for in yeah, '88 for a year. Beautiful. Yeah, um, quite lucrative, by the way. Quite, I, I bet I'm not even whatever. So, um, but when did was there a point that you realized that it was that you were okay? I mean, was it? It took me a. You did SNL first, then Simpsons, and then yeah, yeah. I did. Well, SNL. My writing partner Greg Daniels and I uh, bummed around for a bit. We worked out in LA, mm-hmm. and we lo- lost our, our our jobs went away, and then we worked kooky odd jobs. Uh, Greg was an SAT tutor, mm. uh, and I don't know why, but I went to work. And I've mentioned this before, but I went to work at Wilson's House of Suede and Leather, mm. and. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but that was a low I, point. That was a low point yeah. where I would I would visualize my degree from this prestigious college uh-huh. um, while I was at Wilson's House of Suede and Leather, and I'm 23, and I'm thinking, I did I is this is going to be okay, right? This is going to be all right. Oh. But then we got SNL, then I did The Simpsons, and uh, then the whole craziness of late night. Yeah. So, but it took a long time for me to think, oh, I have some facility mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. It really didn't really start to kick in till SNL, which yeah. is when people I kind of idolized would say, point at me and say, hey, that's funny. Hey, th- do that again. That yeah. was funny. And yeah. I would, like you just said, I would just, I would leave my body a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what is that? I don't know. I feel like- I think it's healthy. Very healthy. Have you um, gotten better at that? Or I don't know. Has it, I just, I worry about like constantly being like calloused to like the stuff that like- I don't think that's going to happen to you. Okay. Wow. No, I really don't. I, 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 you're, uh, I think that that's a personality type. Mm, uh, and mm. so, I mean, just today and the times I've met you, you've come across, you have a lot of humility. And I think if you had the gene, uh-huh. the callous gene, uh-huh. that would have shown up immediately. Wow. You wouldn't even be talking to me right now. It's a, it's a nature gene. thing. It's not a nurture. I, okay. If you say so, I just, I feel find myself becoming like slightly more monstrous like as time goes on. Well, you had Not- a, a lot of insane demands before you did <laughs> yes. the podcast. We had to buy you a fur coat. Uh, yes. Floor length fur Floor coat. Floor length mink. Um, Who even does that anymore? Nobody. And, it, and you said it had to have a hood that came from different a uh, different mink. Like what is this? Like, I don't know, the 60s? <laughs> Who wears mink anymore? Well, you wanted it. I know. Um, you uh, wanted those massive shoes <laughs> made of Bakelite? Who gets shoes <laughs> made of Bakelite? Bakelite? Yeah. This is you're this is all very on trend, by the way. I hope you realize that you're that these like these things that are that you're rattling off are like actually, I think, pretty cool. Like some circle. <laughs> is it really? I have no I idea. I don't know. I, I don't have, know. You, I've got the I'm in the <laughs> I've never known what was cool. I've never been in, and whenever I uh, stumble into something that's cool, it's a complete accident. Well, uh, oh, I, I was just reading this article today about how the fact that everybody everywhere is drinking, and this is, this might not apply to everybody, but 
how espresso martinis have really sort of proliferated in the last oh, year. I didn't know that. Like every place, like from, from a dive bar to like a high-end place, like every place will serve an espresso martini in some form or people will want one. And so that is sort of symbolic of this thing that's going on where there is no, there's this collapse of irony that like, if something is cool to everybody, then like, is nothing cool anymore? I I, I hate that like we're talking about. No, this is this, where. It, but in any anyway. So wait, so, so so your point being that if everybody's suddenly drinking an espresso martini, yeah, like of every subculture, if like you know, like Wall Street guys are drinking it, and then like you know, your crust punks are drinking it, and like mm-hmm. the outer boroughs, like what does that mean about where culture is right now? We don't have to really get into it, but I just I find it interesting that like which, but but I was I've always been of the mind. That like you should just like everything. I don't know which probably like is. everything. I I I tend to go into. Something, I can't go with you on like everything. Not you know? everything, but like I I it's um I'll like something until I find something extremely off putting. Right. I will I will try to not even keep an open mind. I will. So you tried try. racism for a while, and then it was off putting. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, no, this is too mean. Yeah, but you gave it three. You gave it three years, three years. and you really went for it. Yeah. And then well, you're like, you know what? I'm losing friends. I'm really losing I'm friends losing over friends. the whole. <laughs> I feel like what is it they say? Like it takes like eight years for you to be like an expert at something, uh-huh. or ten thousand hours, whatever. Right, but right. like anyway, yeah, did did it for three and was like, no, I can't do it. But no, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm just want the listeners to know that we're sitting here. Uh, Bowen's wearing a full on what he demanded mink long coat with yep. uh, with a uh, different textured hood and bakelite <laughs> shoes and talking about his uh, seven year attempt to really be good at racism and I've got a viking tattoo <laughs> on my hand which is a dog whistle for something else uh-huh yeah um you know I was so appreciative that you came in today because uh, it is Tuesday. And as a former, you know, as as an alumnus of SNL, I know that Tuesday was the day that filled me with dread. Yeah. Because Tuesday is the day, you guys have a show this Saturday. Tuesday is the day that I would, I had an apartment uh, in Brooklyn and I would take the train in Mm -hmm. and my heart was in my stomach. (sighs) I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. And you ride in, and I'm I'm was so nervous because this is the day that doesn't end. <laughs> Tuesday bleeds, and it's a it's something that started at SNL, I think, in 1975 yeah. or 76 for some weird reason. Cocaine, probably cocaine. Uh, somebody thought it was a good idea for the writers to stay up all night, yeah, um, literally yeah. through the night, yeah. writing sketches into Wednesday, all until read through, which starts at like noon or one. Oh, see, now it starts at like 4.30, well, that's, which is even worse. And well, so you get out at like 11 p.m. once picks are out. But anyway. Oh, know, my God. I know. Okay. It's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Well, I remember um, that's probably Lorne slowly moving the dial mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that it more and more fits his lifestyle. Unless he is, used to like go to the opera one night, then we'll move it like earlier and like we'll all know about it. Like Lauren has to go see, you know, company on Broadway or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Lauren gets out of his coffin at three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. And can I just say it's a beautiful coffin. It's a beautiful coffin. And he arises and he and he he arises just without moving his any muscles. He just goes completely uh, up and 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 perpendicular to the ground and um and then uh, moisturizers are applied <laughs> yes. uh, and a little bit His of popcorn is eaten. Great. Yeah. And then he uh, flies, sprouts wings and flies t- <laughs> to, to, to Rockefeller Center. And, um, <laughs> and so I think his – over the years, it keeps getting later and later. Yes, but, yes. But God, that night. I know. And I was talking 
to it was a couple of years ago, I think I was talking to Howard Stern on on his show. He brought me back to those days and I was telling him, you know, I've hosted a late night show. I've been through what should be real terror <laughs> a thousand times over. None of them matched Starting Out Live, how nervous and self-hating I would get on a Tuesday night, the wandering the halls. Yeah. Is my stuff funny enough? Hearing I mean, like laughter from across the walls and, right. and thinking, oh God, like everyone else has it figured out. I mean, that's still, I think you were talking to Draft about this recently. Yes, yeah. And like you you were both talking about that sensation, that feeling. And I was like, oh God, that's that's that hasn't gone away. And like, that's kind of the reason why it works. Like that's the reason, that's like the engine that everyone It might on. be the special sauce. Yeah. I, there, but um, but it also may not be. It may not be necessary. I don't know. I just know that I, to this day, when I pass Rockefeller Center, I'm filled with lots of awe and wonder and appreciation. Yes. I really do appreciate my, if you add up SNL and Late Night, I think I did uh, two decades in yeah. that building. And I, I'm so appreciative of it. But at the same time, there's a, I'm also reminded of, oh, yeah, that feeling. Uh, that feeling of real, yeah. real at at, at Sarnet Live for that couple of seasons of dread, dread, yeah, dread. It was yeah. real dread. Uh, just and it was re- it was mostly confined to Tuesday. For and me, it, anyway, Tuesday no, into Wednesday, right? But like, like all the time at six A, like didn't like supersede that eventually. Like all the time, like doing late night stuff didn't late like... night because I was performing. Mm-hmm. The demons were exercised. Yes. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think Car Shield. Car Shield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call Car Shield and choose the mechanic to do the work. Car Shield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me. Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save twenty percent today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save twenty percent. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. 
Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Oh my gosh. I I spent right. one year as a writer and it was so, 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 so difficult. Especially mm-hmm. because even though I sort of self-identified as a writer, like I think you go in there, like no matter how developed you are in your point of view as a comedian, like there's something about SNL where you have to reset and like learn how things work there in order to survive, in order to like be successful. And like mm-hmm. there's there are a few people who like probably go there and like are very insistent on their point of view and and then it works and Lauren's on board like probably like a Julio Torres or like a Jack Handy or someone like who goes in there and like is already like fully formed. prefab yeah exactly. fully formed uh-huh. and and yeah doesn't need any time to cook <clears throat> mm-hmm, they're just mm-hmm. right there and ready to go but 99.99% of people I think are so overwhelmed by it mm-hmm. and I mean I certainly was and then um, but it's a, it's this crucible that everyone has to walk through, which is which kind of makes it beautiful too. But also, I mean, I can't. Yeah, I very recently started to not be terrified of Lauren because I think Lauren had mentioned to eighty like Bowen probably thinks of me as this like peak. I think his words were, I'm just quoting eighty, mm-hmm. but eighty was like, I think Lauren thinks that like you think of him as like a 
peak that you, like a mountain you have to climb every time you talk to him. Mm-hmm, and I think, mm-hmm. and she was like, I think he wants you to just go up to him and like be his pal. And I was like, I can do that. But like for the longest time, I think it's like probably something in common with you and I with our upbringings or something mm-hmm. where like, I don't know, again, reverence is like so valued that like I had to for a very long time only see him as this like incomprehensible authority figure. Right. And I, I to be fair, I think he's okay with people yes. feeling that way for a while. Of course. And then um, he, <laughs> and he's, I, you know, uh, look, he's, uh, I've said this to him and I said to, to him at, at the Emmys when I saw you guys that, you know, he's responsible for uh, my career um, and giving me the the shot that changed my life. Mm-hmm, and so I'm mm-hmm. always indebted to him and and so appreciative of what he did for me. But at the same time, you know, you get you get to see when you get more perspective on it all that, oh, I see how he he runs things. Yeah. And, I, and and it works. It works. He's uh, he's not going to go out of his way for the new people. Yeah, he's gonna let them fight it out, <laughs> and 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 uh, and see you know who's who's got it. But that's part of I think, and I think oh, because you talked about this in um because they interviewed me for this Washington Post profile before mm-hmm. the Kennedy Center honors, mm-hmm. and um you had a great quote in there where you were talking about how he kind of just lets you he'll find people and then he'll put them in this like big cauldron that is SNL, and then he'll and then he will just make he he will not be too stringent on like what you can or can't do yeah. i think he just lets you like go for it if you want yeah. to go for yeah. it yeah and that's and that's kind of that's the genius of the show and that's why it's been around for so long and it's been through so many different iterations but it's still kept this thread of like i just i let you do whatever you want to do and if you find if, if, if you figure it out then then it becomes then it's fireworks and it's beautiful yeah and yeah. i think that's what uh Something that I learned from him and that I tried to pass on all the years that I've had writers or tried to mentor people is throw them in the deep end of the pool, <laughs> give them um, lots of leeway. Yep. If it doesn't work out, then it's on them. If it works <laughs> out, then it's on them yeah. in, in a good way. And I was stunned when I went to SNL and I was, I think, 24. And you know, immediately upon showing up, they were like, yeah, Steve Martin's in that room. Yeah. And I went, you mean Steve Martin, my absolute comedy hero growing up, yeah. who, in my opinion, um, redefined the levels of funny that could exist in the universe <laughs> and reached those heights. He's in that room mm-hmm. and you want me to go in? Yeah, go in and tell him your funny ideas. <sighs> you don't even know me. You just <laughs> picked me up off the street. I'm, I'm trash. <laughs> uh. And you want me to go in there and uh-huh. And then- um, you know, if you blow it, you blow it. But if you can make him laugh or you can think of something that he's going to like, yeah, uh, you get hoisted on everyone's shoulders. And I thought, okay, this is scary. This yeah. is the scariest damn thing I can imagine. Right, right. But uh, it's, it's all or nothing. Was there no like scaled up version of that? situation when you were at late night though like was there no like where you had to like walk into someone's dressing room that you like admired so much I mean I guess not no. it, was your, it was your show it was or, my show and, yeah. and so I went right from you know I was a writer and then got the late night show and immediately I was mm. going into rooms with legendary people that yeah. I and, and and people that I had grown up watching on TV and I think uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot the people that you saw when you were growing up and your mind was forming, they will always be gods to you. Uh, so for me, it was 
these people that I had seen, like Dick Van Dyke or Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore, people on TV shows, they were even in reruns when I was a kid, but I was seeing them. And then suddenly overnight I have a show and I'm saying, who's the guest tonight? Well, it's Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Wait, the icon that I watched on TV yeah. growing up? Yeah, she's in the dressing room and she's here to do your show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I have a show. Uh-huh. Yeah, you've had it for about a week. You may not have it much longer, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but you have a show. What do you mean I have a show? Anyway, Mary Tyler Moore is in there. And then, you know, the band plays and your childhood icon walks out and says, Hi, Conan. Uh, so happy to be on your show. Yeah. And I think this is the dream but it's also the nightmare. The nightmare. And I think that is the thing that I, one of the reasons I've you know really wanted to talk to you is you are aware that both exist at the same time. Yes. And I think most people right now think, well, Bowen Yang, God, he's so funny and I love him on SNL and he's this breakout star, but you are fully aware that it's always both. It's always a joyous dream and oh my God, Many of my buttons are getting pushed. Yeah. Well, even just this here is a perfect example. Not that I, I, I mean, I, as a fan of the podcast, like I think you put everyone at ease, but I feel like I'm coming in. And I told you when I when I talked to you over the summer mm-hmm. that like we came to New York City when I was 14 or something to look at schools for my sister. And we mm-hmm. couldn't, my, my, I had two big things that I wanted to do. One was to go see Wicked on Broadway. We couldn't afford the tickets. We did not go, but my parents drove me to the George Gershwin Theater so I could stand outside the doors oh, for like 10 minutes. And that's then, and then like, good for them. Good for them. But then the thing that we could do was take the NBC studio tour at 30 Rock. And mm-hmm. then we went up to eight or nine, I guess. We sat, we sat on nine, sat at the SNL studios. This is over the summer, so everyone was on hiatus. And then um, what I was like, okay, whatever, SNL. And then what, what I was most excited for was to go to 6A and go sit in, in the seats at Conan. Mm-hmm. And, oh, just, I mean, that was, and it's it's funny to be, to fast forward, whatever, whatever, like 16 years from that now here where I'm like about to go into work at SNL where I work uh, and then sitting with you mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I just, um, this is a dream and the nightmare at the same time. Not that this isn't so pleasant, but this is like, I can't believe, I mean, uh, yeah, if, if it's a fair analog to say that like you're you're the Steve Martin to me, I don't want to do this too long. And I know you right. wanted me to turn up the reverence oh, well, dial. I, but. I was... <laughs> I was kidding, and I also wasn't kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, great, great, perfect, perfect. Please no, Bowen, please no. But I just keep giving me more, yeah, more, more, more. Two so things can be true. you've seen me walk on water, right? Uh, basically. <laughs> oh, Conan, like this is, I mean, I, 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 I didn't grow up with cable, and so like yeah. it was just me tuning into NBC on Saturdays and on weeknights just to, I would, I, I, you know, I'd sit through Leno, love him, but then, you know, the main event was you. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, like, the reason I got emotional on my podcast when your show ended was because, I'm sure a lot of people have brought this up too, but that 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 encapsulation of, like, your whole career has been about, like, the intersection between stupid and smart, mm-hmm. or silly and smart, or whatever, mm-hmm. and not that I'm saying that I'm, like, super intelligent, but I'm like, oh, God, like, that's... That's the reason I, like, have the friends I have in comedy. That's the reason why, like, those are the things that are the most fun for me to write when I write at the yeah, show. Yeah, it's that magical thing... And and you do understand it, you know, when I saw your now uh, famous and billion times viewed iceberg sketch um, the first time, I was like, oh, this is everything that I like because Ugh. it is very smart. 
it's so smart that we're getting the iceberg's perspective and that the iceberg has this attitude of like, I wasn't doing anything. And then, and you know, and it was so well done. I love that the iceberg keeps underselling how many people died, <laughs> saying like, hey, 30 or maybe 50 people, you know, That's an Dresden. And it's, yeah, yeah. And it's like, be, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 1500. <laughs> and then you say like, no one brings up the water. It was the cold water that killed people. Um, and, and so your attitude is all very human and understandable. And, but then my favorite thing is that you have a song to plug. Mm -hmm. Now, I think most comedians would have at that point made the song something about the, the, iceberg. the iceberg. Yeah. The song has fucking <laughs> nothing to do with your story or your raison d'etre. No. It is this. <laughs> and when your song had nothing to do with the sketch we had just seen, I like stood up and was like, yes, <laughs> no. I like, I love Bowen Yang oh. because that's such a smart move. Uh. And to me, that's the encapsulation, in my opinion, of, you know, that thing that's always a quest. You can never achieve it. It's slippery. You can't really get a hold of it because you'll have it and then it's gone. But, oh my God, that was so stupid slash smart at the same time, but so stupid, but so smart. And it just keeps flipping in your head. You know? Well, that, that quest is so perfect because it was Anna Dresden and I writing that together, um, who's who's one of the head writers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we were, we were both like, it was. it felt too good to be true as we were writing. We were like, this will never make it onto TV because it's making us laugh too much. Yeah, yeah. We were like, this can't, like, this can't pass through all the filters that are in place here where, like, you know, the update people, the update writers see it and give notes or, you know, um, mm -hmm. Lauren or the producers see it and, like, have feedback. I mean, this is the thing that you talk about in, in the profile for Lauren is that, like, kind of, it's, it's kind of miraculous that he lets you do these things. Yeah. The yeah, way and that, that you, want and that, you know, I can imagine it read through, you don't have the iceberg on your head. No. And and so um, people are, I'm sure, laughing, but the prop, and then this is the other thing, it has to go s sketch comedy. There's always a thousand things that can go wrong. Yeah, yeah. If that prop isn't just perfect, uh -huh. it doesn't work. Right. You know, and um, so also uh, my kudos to whoever came up with that prop because- Kate Rusek, yeah. Yeah, and it's, costumes, it's, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> it's just perfect because it is- Beautiful. Be it's, it's, it's beautiful, and it's also betraying- no matter what kind of the digging, scale or yeah, what? yeah. Well, well, it's also it's like it's it's big, uh -huh. um, and it's absurd, and you're trying to establish your dignity the whole time and your point of view, and you're <laughs> all while wearing. That's my favorite thing. Is I love anyone who's. <laughs> whose dignity is compromised immediately but refuses to accept it. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's like, um, yeah, that's like I took a character workshop with Drew Drogi, this guy in L.A. But, um, at Groundlings. But, like, he brought up, like, Jerry Blank is the perfect example of someone who, like, has this delusory, oh my God. like, yeah. idea of themselves. But everything about them betrays that. Um, But, I mean, Alex, okay, so I think Alex Bays, someone told me that Alex Bays, who used to be uh, an update writer, was, like, talking about how, it's interesting that it's usually the other way around where it's like uh, the character telling – it's Colin or it's one of the anchors telling the character like, hey, stop that. No, no, stop right, it, stop right, it, stop right, it. Right. But um, – because we watched, we watched the Letterman interview with Paris Hilton mm -hmm. yeah. like right as she got out of jail. Yep. 
where all Letterman wants to talk about is, I mean, first of all, like people have like pointed out how like, you know, not cool it was for like Letterman to push so hard. But it's like, it's like that's how Letterman was with everybody. He was just mm-hmm. like the jerk. And like, that's why we love him. But um, but we just, but Anne and I watched that interview as we were writing it, just being like, look at, so, like, look at how like uncomfortable like she is in this moment. And like, look how Letterman wants to like push for like, like we really like mapped it onto that particular interview that's I what, think that's what you were working off yeah. yeah and just like kind of like I don't know like I think the whole not to like break apart my own sketch too much but like um, I think we were I think I think we were just writing something based on like this media pattern that happens every now and then well right because in that one Colin as the the sort of faux journalist in the situation I love that you're like well we got to talk about the Titanic and you're like no 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 my publicist said yeah. we're not talking about that <laughs> um, and which brings up a hilarious thing which I, which is everyone always shows up with a publicist I always show up I've got know, mine you have your publicist and um, um, by the way she's been uh, I think playing a game on her phone I the think whole time so. I think she's yeah. not intervening in any way she's doing Angry Birds 2 like the, the sequel <laughs> yeah they're not even birds anymore no <laughs> um, they're just heavy people being fired into the air uh, they've, they've evolved yeah um, but uh, I love that you know I've always had a publicist with me saying do you want me there uh-huh. or when you get on the phone with these people or do you want me on the phone and I'll uh-huh. say what are you gonna do what, to, to do what like say excuse me <laughs> We're not discussing that. And especially on a on a podcast, uh-huh. I've always thought what's going to happen and what is funny, because once the podcast starts, if I start going down some crazy rabbit hole of, hey, you know, yeah, Bowen, yeah, yeah. I have I actually did some research right, and right, I found right. out that you say you went to NYU, uh-huh, uh-huh. but there's no record of you right, and right. the shit starts to hit the fan. Does your publicist crash through that glass and stop things? <laughs> ne- probably. Th- she would. Julianne would. She's, she's No, no. She's, again, still not listening uh, <laughs> and still playing Angry Birds 2. Um, but my favorite thing, and, and I think you mentioned this just before we started, is when people say, and this is what came up in your uh, Titanic iceberg sketch, is, hey, it was agreed we wouldn't talk about this. Right, right, right. This is I love, I'm always about to talk to some celebrity on uh-huh. the podcast now, and it happened for 28 years on Late Night, moments before I went out there. Oh, no. Someone would come up to me and go, hey, don't mention blank. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But here's the thing. It was always something that I didn't even know exactly. about. Exactly. So people were always <laughs> saying like, okay, I'm about to talk to Al Pacino, and someone would come up to me and say, don't mention that he keeps a, a, a catcher's mitt in the freezer. <laughs> and I'll say, what? He keeps a what? He keeps a catcher's mitt in his freezer. And then that's all you're thinking. Yeah, about. and I'm like, and I'm, don't mention it. <laughs> I'm like, why would he keep a, it's not to come up. Shut up. And then you get out there and Al Pacino comes on and goes, oh, Conan, it's good to see you. And I'm like, all I can see is, a, is him putting a catcher's mitt in the freezer and saying, <laughs> no one can ever know about this. <laughs> You know, that's and really I'm just, I'm just, Pacino. it's, it's, uh, it's insane to me. Yeah. Uh, but would, that would, always happens that someone did not happen with you. I was going to ask. Okay. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. No one, I was not, I was, no one said, you can't mention this, you can't mention that. But, but so many times uh-huh. I'm told you're not to mention yeah. that uh, B. Arthur <laughs> uh, has the largest collection of used dental floss. <laughs> In the world. She does, don't mention it. She'll flip out and the interview is over. 
It's not a thing where like a segment producer tells you before, like before the show. I, I don't know. I don't know how those. Mostly they're supposed to do that, but there's one, and yeah, I always yeah, give yeah. him a shout out occasionally, but there was one guy, <laughs> Frank Smiley, who, and, and he really did talk like a guy, and he still does. Uh-huh. He talks like a guy who's on Broadway <laughs> saying, kid, you got it. He's literally out of the 1920s. Uh-huh. And he had a knack of, and it wasn't his fault, but. The publicist would always mention it to him seconds. The band's playing. Right. I'm backstage or I'm at the desk right. and I'm about to bring out Elton John. <laughs> and he'd come running up and say, he makes pots on the weekend, <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't use a kiln. Don't mention it. And I'd be like, what? And then literally, ladies and gentlemen, Sir Elton John and Elton John would come out. And I'm just wondering, (laughs) why did you even tell me that? Nobody knows that. That would never come up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's, it's- Frank uh, Smiley. I'm sorry, not Frankie. No, Um, Frank Smiley, but I call him Frankie. uh, But I love that people make assumptions. And so the assumption would be- That you would ask about the thing. Yeah, but also they assume that, that show business, especially at a certain level- is much more professional than it really is. Oh, no. There's so much running around. Yeah, I mean, it's like that, you were saying, like, there's a thousand things that can go wrong in sketch comedy. I feel like there's any kind of presentational thing. Mm -hmm. A million things could go wrong, and that's kind of why it's fun. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I remember the music when I wrote there to be the change between dress and air. Mm -hmm. But my sketch would be on early and so I remember very clearly running under the bleachers at Saturday Night Live yep. while that band is playing. Uh-huh. And in the commercial break, getting to the cards and going, changing cards, and wow. the sketch is coming up. Ugh. And I'm shouting, no, no, there's no, no, there's there's no tomahawk anymore. Right, the tomahawk's right, right. out. <laughs> you know, that whole section, that whole section. Yeah, no, yeah. no, this becomes, sir, how dare you? And then we lose all this. <sighs> you lose all that? Really loud music. Yes, you lose all that. And your chest is pounding because because the band is so loud in 8H. And you're shouting over them. And you're shouting over the band. And this happened for years at late night too, pretty much every night where we completely rewrote something (sighs) just before the audience was loaded in. The cards aren't right. You're on the fly shouting at people over music. Mm -hmm. But also as a host, I was always smiling because the audience can see me and looking super chill. But what I was saying was, no, that's all wrong. I'll murder you. <laughs> <laughs> that has to have like some psychological, psychic effect on you. I mean, like to like cut through like all of the not saccharine stuff, but like the stuff that like is is meant to like, I don't know, get everybody like amped up, but you have to like you ha- you at that point you do have to be professional and say, "No, this is not how it's supposed to be." Right. No, you you have to get it right. Yeah. You have to get it right and um it has to be right and that has to be a religion, which yeah. is it has to be right, but at the same time you can't be uh You've got to remember that we're all human beings right. trying the best we can, and uh, that's that's tricky. Mm, yeah, that's like the whole. I think that's all of showbiz in a nutshell. That's that's beautiful. That's what I do is I summarize <laughs> things that no one else can put into words so succinctly. Um, but I do I think it. It's true. Just regularly, and you um, do. Yeah, and that's why I'm just made of bright light. <laughs> I don't even have flesh. <laughs> so you're going to go to the building yeah. right after you do this podcast mm-hmm. and you're going to get to work. What is your, and I don't want to get- What's specific, my idea? I don't, don't want to get, no, I don't want to ask your idea uh-huh. or get specific about it, 
but do you know what you're going to be working on this week or are you also waiting for inspiration? I'm a little bit of both. I have one idea that I'm kind of, I I kind of have a really solid grasp on and then the rest, I I, I don't know. I think um, there's one thing that like is sort of, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm like really running the gamut this week in terms of like something that I've, like a big question mark. Um, for one thing, and then all the way up to like something that like, I think is like really beaten out. So I think, which I think, which I think is great. I, th- yeah, I love that. I don't know why I didn't write more in advance, and it's the no big, one does it. It's the big question yeah. at Saturday Night Live is because there's a lot of weeks off. Yes. Now you'd think <laughs> during the weeks off we'd all crank some paper into the uh, typewriter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm dating myself. Here. Oh yeah, you were in the typewriter era. That's so. No, cool. we were in the legal pad. Yeah, there were typewriters, but yeah. uh, I was in the legal pad. We we wrote everything on legal pads uh, and then dropped them off and they were typed up and we had to often be called in to decipher what our scribblings meant. <laughs> um, but uh, no, when I look at, I have boxes filled with legal pads that have <sighs> sketches in them and lots of doodles and lots of really disturbing little notes on the side <laughs> oh, like, why God. live? When- <laughs> <laughs> when death could be so sweet. <laughs> wow. And then little notes like, don't invest in Microsoft. That's going nowhere. Um, this is beautiful. Yeah. and I've, I've, But I actually have found, like, recently I found the legal pad that had me saying, I wrote monorail at the top. Oh, and then my I, God. Yeah. And then I have all these notes about music, music, man, music man. Music man. Oh, my and, God. And little arrows. And I'm like, okay, I got to save that. Um, that but, was at SNL, and then you brought it. to No, the no, no. That, oh, that was okay. a, that was a legal pad. I always worked off legal pads, right, and, right. and kind of still do. I like to write that way by hand, and uh-huh. then on doodle and come up with things. But and you know, I always have little notebooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was stunned getting back to my question: why we didn't sit down yeah. and write out fantastic sketches. Mm-hmm. That were silly and evergreen, meaning they they could be on at twelve forty five and star anybody or just the cast and put them in a file so that when we were that would have saved me so much anguish and panic. But not only did I not do it, nobody nobody did it. Did it. And then we were wandering around at quarter to three, yeah, crying. Oh my god, on <laughs> sa- on Sunday or Saturday? Or or no, like on, on the night that we oh, had to stay night, up on all Tuesday. night. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, and then coming up with something at six a.m. Uh, rarely, rarely. And and this is another thing: good ideas don't come when you're tired. But so many people now are doing this thing where they write on Wednesday morning before they have to submit, like from scratch, writing a sketch until like for like from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. for that to be read the same day. Like wow. that that freaks me out. But I think the reason why maybe my theory on why people don't do it, don't write in advance is because I think they just need to compartmentalize so aggressively. Like when it, when it's a work week, when it's a show week, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. When I'm off, I, I do not want to think about. Yeah, maybe that's it. Any kind of sketch comedy mechanic. Maybe that's you it. You know, like maybe that's it. Yeah. Or we're terribly lazy and we don't think ahead. Yeah. That, that's that's probably <laughs> God. It's so it's so sad sometimes when I think about how like certain things and that are like programmed into humanity like just can't we can't ever like get out of them and that's okay and that's okay. But like one of those things is writing a sketch in advance for SNL. Like like humanity will never mm, transcend that. No, and we'll always crave. Salty fats, mm-hmm. sweet chocolates. Mm-hmm. We're always convinced that that third glass of wine is going to get us back to that feeling the first glass of wine gave us. <laughs> and these are all lies that humanity knows. Yes, and we're um, we're not Doomed. ever. Yeah, we're never ever ever going to transcend that. No, and so um, 
you know, it's time for us to to leave this earth, yes. I think, and colonize Mars and ruin that. I can't wait. It is uh, an incredible delight to talk to you. This was I so, say that. This was so nice. Did, did I, was this at all therapeutic for you? Is there any way in which I can, is there anything you want to ask me as your therapist <laughs> that I could help you with? Because I feel like I understand you. Uh, I very much admire you. Uh, I've been through a lot and I feel like I could mm. be your sort of, the therapist you don't pay. You could always call I'll me up. I'll pay you. 600, you said? That's What's your rate? Well, it's 600 a minute. Um, okay, great. Because come on, man. I mean, I have an incredible lifestyle. You do. A very lavish lifestyle. Yes. Um, I drove up here in three Bugattis. <laughs> they were all lashed together with coil. And, so. then, and then what's that notebook bound? With this? this is, yeah. This notebook this right is, here? <laughs> oh, and there's no sp- the spineless notebook. Yeah, That's- this is a notebook with no spine. Uh, these are, I think, made in Japan. Oh, and, oh an accordion. And it's like an accordion. Oh, that's actually unfold, really cool. And I write, and you can write on both sides. Oh, that's and I perfect. Doodle, and I um, write things like uh, here it says Bo and Yang. Mm-hmm. Really get him, take him down a notch. <laughs> um, getting uh, way too much praise. Um, uh, from the media, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. chip away at his self-esteem. All, and then I have checks next to all the things yeah. I've done. And publicists, make sure publicists is locked behind glass. <laughs> um, I've. <laughs> I don't know what to ask you, and I feel like this is like. Oh, you don't have to ask me anything. I don't want to put you on the spot. I just thought I'm here. I know. I and, know. and also, I don't mean it. You know, <laughs> you're never to contact me personally. I know. I know. Of course, you know that, right? I do know. I was. You can't see uh, while I was saying all that stuff to Bowen. <laughs> I actually have a, a sign that I made uh-huh. that I use frequently on podcasts that says, I don't mean it. It's right there. And I'm holding it up. Yeah. And um, it's an exclamation, and has three exclamation points for Bowen. And you, you wrote it in serifs. You put like, <laughs> you put little like lines and stuff at the ends of them. I don't know why. Listen, know why uh, Bowen, I was really excited to talk to you. I know we've met and there's always a lot of people around mm-hmm. and um and it doesn't really feel like a meeting and this I was looking forward to. I was looking forward because to. uh not to embarrass you, but you are the kind of person who I really admire. You're a hard worker, you're really smart, and you're you have a lot of humility. I'm dissociating you know? as as I hear you say this. Well, it's I you know what's nice. weird? I saw you leave your body. <laughs> and the weird thing is you're naked when you leave your I'm body. I'm naked, but it wasn't even like a spectral thing. It was like you could see it was it was like a corporeal leaving it like oh, two, no. two bodies. I saw right now, and I'm gonna tell the audience what I what I saw. I saw a naked Bowen Yang yeah. climb out of the Bowen Yang that's in front of me. <laughs> And make a really unpleasant face. Yeah. You look like someone that just stumbled out of the bathroom uh-huh, naked. Uh-huh. Um, you've got to not do that in front of people. I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> it's only when they like shower me in compliments. Thank you, Conan. <laughs> yeah. And uh, seriously, Bowen, have a great show this week. Thanks. And um, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. being here and for being, uh, when I meet these young um, not that young anymore. Oh, no. Well, anyway, no. Trust I, me. I, I if I could to... tell you my age and your teeth would fall out. <laughs> I'm 79 years old. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I gave birth to Lorne. Uh, uh, that's how old I am, <laughs> and also my gender. Um, all right, you have a good week. You too. Conan O'Brien needs a friend is sponsored by ADT. Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT self-setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. 
Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, 1 billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not. That's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Okay, who, who wants to start it off? I just do as I'm told. I'm a guy that reacts. Some say I'm a nuclear reactor. Let's begin. How do we want to? Do we talk over the clip or let the clip play in talk a virtual? Talk over it. What's that? Let's talk over it. The less I hear my own voice, the better. Ooh, <laughs> you know what it's like to be me. <laughs> okay. I'll do as I'm told. I'm going to suggest, Gorley, you take charge, maybe for the first time in your life. Let's do it. Okay, you got it. Well, this is exciting because, Sona, you have your own new series on the Team Coco YouTube channel. Wait, you've already had this. Hold on. What? This is this is very exciting because, Sona, a new season of your series- Wait, well, let's try it one more time. Is uh, it new? It's, it's on YouTube, but it was on Instagram before, right? Oh. I don't know, honestly. I hate this so much. Okay, please- yeah, let Gorley do it. And please don't interrupt Gorley, anyone. He knows what he's doing. Go ahead, Gorley, in three, two, and it's all yours. This is very exciting, Sona, because your web series, shit. Oh my God. <laughs> what a stroke victim. This is victim. amazing. Did you say video series, Adam? Is it a video series? I don't even know what it is. Okay. All right. I have a web Here we series. Go. Shh, you've got to be quiet during this. Now, please. What? I, <laughs> despite everything he's done so far- I still believe in Gorley, and I think this is going to be the take. In three, two, one, it's all yours. This is very exciting because Sona, a new <laughs> What is your problem? I'm sorry. He's so like, this is this very, is very exciting. Because Sona, <laughs> you have a 
let's try this again, and then okay. two more mistakes like this, and I'm calling. Uh, I'm calling the EMTs. Can this just be the whole segment? Can yeah. we just stop right here? No, no. I'm sure Gorley's going to get it. Okay. Okay. Take fifteen and go. Sona, you have a new video series out. Sona fixes your life. It's the second. Se- Fuck. Why are you explaining to her that she has a new series? She the, knows the, she the has a new series. Needs to know. What, what is that? Uh, All you have to please. do is say, well, Sona, I find this very exciting. Uh, you have a new series out. You know, th- th- you know that's all okay. you have to do. It's not a big deal. No, this is better. I hope, by the way, this has to air somehow because, um, <laughs> and I'm not a doctor. I am not a neurosurgeon. I know a lot of people think I am, but I think it's a small bubble of air that has worked its way into the speech center of yeah. Gorley's brain. And I think that's yeah. what's causing a complete... Meltdown, Gorley, no I pressure. I don't mind it at all. Okay. Gorley, no Keep pressure. Okay. In five, four, get it right this time. Three, two, it's really on you. You have This has to be good. One, and you've got it. Hi, Thona. Your new show <laughs> on the television. <laughs> Could I do watch it? Oh, Jesus. All right, here we go. Sona, word has it that your series, Sona Fixes Your Life, has a new season, and the new first episode uh. is out now. I thought we could take a little taste of it right now and talk about it a really little bit. Okay, so we're going to see a clip from Sona's. This is her web series, Sona Fixes Your Life? Yes. Okay, uh. good. I just like to set the table. Uh. Here we go. And I don't, why are we watching it? What is your approach to addressing sex to your children? Love you all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my Sona God! Oh, what a dick! That person's a dick. This is great. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Sona. Love Sessian. Uh, this is Sona, the please. The return of Sona fixes your life. Uh, and as you can tell, I'm very serious. I have books behind me. I've read every <laughs> single one. That's a lie. And I have this thing next to me. What yeah, is what this? Is that? It's a rocker. Why do I know that? Because I'm a parenting expert now. How am I a parenting expert? I have had children for four months. Two of them. So obviously I'm an expert. That's eight months. So I'm happy to answer all the questions that you guys have about parenting. So let's raise your kids. At Euler277 says, what are your strategies for keeping Conan away hey. from your children? Uh, just to A, never give him my address. B, you know, I told him I was pregnant, but I uh, I think that if I just tell him that I was a pillow the whole time, maybe he'll never show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would someone say that? Why would someone say keep so Conan away from your kids? It's just to never tell him where I live, because then he'll just come and want to meet them. Wow. wow, Sona left. Sona doesn't like hearing her own voice. And Sona, I have to say I sympathize because I don't like hearing your voice. Oh. Uh, come back in. She left the studio during that. I want to say you're very photogenic, ah, Sona. Very. And yeah. you uh, you look very attractive. Thank you've, you. That was awful. No, it was not. No. I hate you've got seeing it. that. Oh, stop it. No, that's awful. I just, I hate everything about uh, what we're doing. Okay. Talking about it, listening to it, okay. watching it. Wow, you're the best promoter <laughs> of a project. Why are we even here if you're just going to make noises and say, don't waste your time? I think that could be very valuable. I'm a little hurt because a viewer said, uh, or a listener, whatever you want to call them, said, uh, how do you keep Conan away from your kids? That's yeah. insulting. I did visit your children. You did. And I worked hard to get some laughs out of them. You, and I, you did. Uh, Mikey, easy. Yeah. <laughs> easy laugher. Charlie, 
Um, I don't know if uh, I, whatever, smashed his car in a previous life, <laughs> but he was just staring me down. There's yeah. always, Charlie's going to be that guy in the audience for the rest of my life who doesn't give it up. <laughs> I couldn't crack. Yeah, you couldn't crack I couldn't Charlie. crack Charlie, but uh, Mikey, very sweet and uh, was fascinated, kept looking up at my hair. Well, they've never seen anyone like you before. What do you mean? Mm. You are the tallest, whitest person they've ever met. And your hair is very, can be scary to babies. <laughs> uh, oftentimes they think it's a mobile, my hair, and they try and bat at it. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but I, I visited uh, your kids and I thought I was yeah. very good. And I was very impressed with how adeptly you and Tack, your husband, handle your kids because you have twins. So each of you is holding a kid and then you're performing all these functions around the house, just holding on to a kid. Yeah. So yeah. Tack was like, oh, you want a beer? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a beer. He went to the refrigerator and opened the refrigerator and and got out a beer, opened it, poured it into a glass. Then I think he built a ship in a bottle <laughs> with one hand. And and the whole time holding uh, your son yeah. and you're doing stuff too. You're painting stuff yeah. and you're doing eye surgery on people and you're holding your other son. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, we kind of have to because especially, you know, we we had a lot of help and then my parents left for a week. So then we were like, oh, we actually have to parent these children now. <laughs> Why did your parents leave for a week? Were they deported? No, they were not deported. God. Well, I'm just curious. No, okay. they were not deported. Do they have uh, their papers in order? Oh my God. Do they have their papers in they order? They do. Yeah. I mean, I did. I used to threaten to deport them when they would upset me. I like I you're younger. mad at me for making that joke when you used to regularly threaten to deport I your did. parents when you were a teenager, right? Yeah. When I was a teenager and they'd upset me, I, I told them I was going to deport them. They're like, we're citizens. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a loophole. <laughs> what? Sona, wow. you need to fix your own life. <laughs> I yeah. know. Yeah, you're fixing other people's lives? No, I know. I love that you're posing on the balcony of your new home. Yeah. That's very nice. That was yeah. so silly. I know. it was. It's a fun thing to shoot. That's all. And yeah. it's, it's, I, 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 think like, it's funny. I like connecting with your fans. They're yeah. your fans that I'm poaching. Well, I think they're your fans as well. Well, let's be fair. Well, they're, I mean, it's off of the Team Coco stuff. So it is your, they are your fans. That's true. Yes. And and of course, the house that you're in is paid for by my what? paychecks. Huh. What? You, but anyway, mean you employ me and I do a service and then I get paid for well, it. Well, I employ you. I don't know what service <laughs> you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come in today. Uh, it's just not a good day for me. Where's my check? That's what? my that's my Sony impression. Is it? It's yeah. good. Yeah. You want to hear my Conan impression? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's... By the way, everyone you're hearing has a college education. Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations on your series and best of luck to you, Sona. And stop Thank making you. noises and bitching about how you hate the sound of your voice. You've got to convince people to check this thing out. Oh, it's yeah, it's good. It. It's yeah, good. I guess. I'll I don't do know. it for you, Sona. Yeah. And this is just off the top of my head. Mm. New episodes post on Fridays on Team Coco's YouTube page. And the first episode is out now. Want to know how to get your life fixed? Sona takes questions from fans via Team Coco's Instagram stories. So be sure to follow at Team Coco for the next time we ask questions. Okay. Well, if you're making room for that in your schedule, you don't have a lot going on. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just absurd. So you're Great welcome. promotion too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm creating content for you. Uh -huh. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you're being overly compensated. But anyway, <laughs> um, the important thing is that we're friends. You've got a project and I wish you all the best. Ugh. 
me just read this note off my hand. Yeah. And I care for you and mm. respect you. There, there we go. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Becton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.